Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Hey, Patrick. What is up, Andy? Uh, not much. I am excited to have a, yet another episode of Design Much with you. Mm-hmm. Another one. How long are we going to do this, Andy? Do do like today's episode? Or do you want you mean like? No, just <laughs> just episodes. Are we going to be? Are we looking at? We're over a hundred. Yeah. We're on one hundred and nine. Are, are you getting a little bit tired of this? Are you getting a little bit of you know burnout going on? Is that what? It's it's a hundred nine weeks with you. <laughs> so. Yeah, not not too many people have spent this much time with me. So I, I guess yeah, that can be that can be difficult. Um, you've done a great yeah. job so far. But but today today is gonna be today's gonna be better, Andy, because we have a special guest today. A very special guest. This is like this is like when you're a kid, you come home and they have that very special episode of whatever, Different Strokes, Funky Brewster, whatever you watched when you were a kid. I, I'm obviously older than you two, so maybe those shows were different. <laughs> but uh, this is a very special episode because we have we have a special guest. Who's who, who's our guest, Andy? Um, today we are very blessed to be joined by the one and only Dylan Winspear. Guys, this has been the hardest introduction to stay quiet for. <laughs> I've wanted to join in so many times already. Thank you for that. Uh, yes, I appreciate being the uh, the afternoon special for you. Nice. We're going to talk some serious subjects. That's why it's a special, special occasion. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And um, I, I, I am super stoked to have you on, Dylan. I, I have not met you in person yet. But I have definitely heard your voice uh, many times. Um, I think you've brought a lot of awesome value um, to design here locally in Utah and you know nationally as well with your your podcast design today. So um, thank you for that and thank you for for joining us today. Absolutely, it's a pleasure. And if I can make one quick comment, you're talking about how much longer you're going to go. Will you guys stop like at maybe 111, and that way we can just call it a tie? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, see, we were we were hoping to go to one. Yeah, I figured as That's... much, which is going to pull me out of retirement, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, that, I think that was a good our, thing. our whole goal was chasing you. We we started we started our podcast before you did, um, like I think by like what like a couple of months maybe, but we didn't. We were only recording randomly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a regular schedule. So then when we got on a regular schedule, we were like behind you by like. 10 episodes or something. There would be a point in time where I'd be like, hey, I need to take a pause for the holidays. And then I see you guys keep posting out episodes. And I'm like, they're catching up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is no breaks. No breaks around here. No breaks. That's right. <laughs> we're, we're very hard workers, Patrick and I. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dylan, why don't you go ahead? Um, you know, for our audience, I, I assume there's a lot of crossover. The the ten people that listen to this podcast probably listen to yours. So, but uh, give us give them the uh, the uh, the Dylan Winspear um, uh, treatment here. Uh, okay, introduction. Um, yeah. Well, I am a UX designer based out of here in Utah, but I'm a Utah transplant. I'm actually born and raised in Minnesota. Uh, I think I've done a good job of losing the accent, but every now and then you'll hear it come out, and I'm going to do my best to make sure I don't embarrass myself in front of the, this audience here. 
Um, been in UX design for about 10 years now. Prior to UX, uh, I was doing more marketing, internet marketing. Uh, I was working at a few different startups where I started blending uh, marketing practices to design. And that's kind of how I made my transition into UX, learning that, oh, wait, this is actually a thing. People like A-B test designs and we call it UX. Okay, I can dig. Um, so that was kind of my, my introduction to UX design about 10 years ago. But, you know, my background and degree was actually in business marketing. Um, I thought it was going to be like an entrepreneurial, uh, I don't know, I, I, I thought that's where my life was going. I thought I was just going to do startups and, uh, you know, bootstrap different ideas. But uh, uh, after three different startups and the most recent startup that I did was about five years ago now, closed doors pretty randomly, I said, well, I'm just a little bit concerned about jumping back into the startup world. <laughs> going into work one day and not having a job a couple hours later definitely would put a, uh, a hiccup in those plans. And so I jumped to something that... Uh, you know, I thought uh, it was going to be more stable. Uh, I worked for Domo. Whether or not that's more stable, I don't know. But it's <laughs> it's been a good run. I've been at Domo now for about five years. That's a company based here out of Utah. Um, I've got a wife. we got three kids, eight, six, and three. We've got a one-year-old lab. And, uh, yeah, man, life is groovy. That's awesome. Lab. Mm -hmm. the, the pandemic puppy. You know what, though? I don't like that label only because we got our pup a month before the pandemic oh. hit. We brought our pup home in February, a full six weeks before shutdown. Nice. Don't label my puppy a pandemic puppy. Okay. Dylan, you you're got... Free. You're free. You're like... You're like the BC. Like, you're, you're before... What do they call that? Before the pandemic? After the pandemic? You're... Yeah, BP. Yeah. Yep. Beep, beep. Yep. Yeah, Dylan, you were you were bringing puppies home before it was cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we this was a plan in the works for for months before this pandemic was even a thing. Nice. I saw the future is what it was. <laughs> well, that is awesome. And so, um, what is your what's your current role? Like, what is your title right now at Domo? Uh, currently, I'm a director. Currently, I'm a director okay. at Domo. Yep. Awesome. So, so tell me, Dylan, I'm, I'm curious, why, why do you wake up every morning and why are you a director at Domo, like a director of UX? Why do you do that? Oh, what do you get out of it? That is a oddly timed question, Andy, because I've been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> um, because it changes. And I, I'm sure you guys recognize this, like it changes over time and events, you know, cause things to evolve and change. And uh, I've not been too timid uh, and saying that I, I'm not passionate about data visualization and hopefully nobody at Domo, uh, hears that and fires me, but my passion <laughs> doesn't lie in data visualization. In fact, I think I could work at any of the companies up and down Utah fairly comfortably. Like, I don't think any of them pique my interest more than any, my passion in being a, a spe specifically being a, in that director position lies in building teams and helping people advance their careers. Um, you know, I like strategy. Um, I like collaborating. I like working with people and the team that I get to work with at Domo is, you know, top notch and, uh, being able to be a part of like their journey and whatever small role I can play is, is really where I get my kicks and giggles as a director. Awesome. Uh, I think I, I really like that answer. 
Um, and and I, I think that's because I think a lot of us can say that sort of thing. Like the companies we work at, many of us can be really passionate about, you know, that sort of product. But at the same time, like what we do, our roles and like what value we bring, that might be actually the passionate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's a really interesting point. You know, I I work at Adobe right now and, you know, work in a lot of that that workflow stuff. And that's something I actually really do like to um, work in for sure. Um, prior to working at Adobe, I worked at Canopy and I did a lot of the same stuff but it was for a different industry working for the, you know, the tax professionals. Mm -hmm. And I was definitely not someone that was passionate about, you know, tax law or solving those, those specific problems for tax. But I was passionate about, you know, understanding and getting that empathy for those users I worked with and that I gained, you know, I started to learn and to know and then solving their problems specifically and seeing how it affected them. So um, I totally resonate with that answer. I think that's really awesome. You know, and it's interesting, too, because you brought up a good thing or a good point there. And like, I do still get passionate about the process. I love discovering the problems. I love research. I love going in doing research. In fact, today for a freelance client of mine, I went and did two ride alongs shadowing them uh, just for, you know, a, a freelance project. And I really dig that kind of stuff. I love being able to identify some of those problems and work with people. So I do get passionate about the process, but you can apply that process to pretty much anything, whether it you know, be taxes uh, or data visualization. Okay, whatever. I just like, yeah. I like getting into it. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. Um, so I, I look at your career and I don't know every aspect of your career, but it, you know, it looks like you've you know, been able to carve out a successful like design career. Um, so my next question is like, in your experience specifically, Dylan, what does a successful design career look like? Oh, Patrick wasn't lying when he said you're hitting the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> and again, I think that answer has changed over the years too. I mean, rewind five years ago, and my answer probably would have been like, you know, you're getting in promotions, you're making more money, uh, you're having more influence within a company. Um, but a successful career for me today is... I mean, sure, we got to pay the bills and I, I want to take care of my family and provide for the family. But mm-hmm. uh, I also cherish flexibility in my career a lot more than I would have, you know, five years ago. I want to be able to take off at, you know, three o'clock and go to my kids, you know, sporting events. Or I want to be able to, you know, today go do a ride along for a, a freelance client. Like I like that flexibility that my career now provides for me. Um and so satisfaction, happiness is is not necessarily tied to my work, but more of that my personal life and and the opportunity to balance things a little bit more, uh, a little bit better than I've been able to balance things in the past. I mean, we're talking, I'm trying to summarize years of therapy and years of work-life <laughs> balance conversations into this 30-second answer, but sure. trying to find that right balance is, is really now where I call I'm in a happy place in my career and I've gone in the right direction. I don't think it's the, I look back and it's not the promotions now, it's not the pay bumps, it's not the bonuses that, you know, that had come along the ways. It's, I've arrived at a place where I can balance work and family a bit better now. Oh, that's so cool. So with those, uh, just to follow up on that one, like with knowing that knowledge now, right? Like having that knowledge now, what do you tell what do you tell your other designers who are who are not in that same 
boat yet, like, <clears throat> what a successful design career would look like to them, like, if they're coming up. You know, so I don't think there is a right answer to this. I think this is a very personal question. And I've got, you know, I've talked on, uh, at length about, you know, hustle and, you know, you got, you know, needing to grind and needing to, you know, prove yourself and, uh, you know, get your opportunity to have your at bats, How, whatever the metaphor is that, you know, shows that you got to get in the trenches, you got to gain experience. I think there's a time and season for that in the career. Um, but then it ultimately comes back to saying like, now what matters most to you? And I actually had my, my chief of product who I work really closely with, and uh, she's been a great mentor of mine. It was a couple years ago when I was considering leaving Domo and she proposed to me, you know, what is it that matters to you at this point in your career? And she goes, I want to give you a couple categories to think about. And she threw out, you know, is it um, title? Is it pay or, or, you know, financial incentives, whether that be stock options, bonuses, salary, whatever it may be. Is it flexibility? Um, is it time off? Like, what is it that you now prize at this point in your career? And up until that conversation, it's always been, I want the next title and I want the next pay bump. Like I want to get ahead and set myself up for the future. And I think there's, is it toxic? Maybe I, I don't want to debate that, but there is this definitely this whole got to prove myself, got to take the next step, got to go the distance. And I think it was about a couple years ago where I'm just kind of like, I'm tired of that rat race because what I'm losing is the opportunity with my kids at this age. And so I came back to her and I told her like, I want flexibility. I want PTO. I want to be able to be guilt free when in the middle of the week on a Wednesday, I'm going to take the afternoon off. And that's ultimately what now matters to me. But I would encourage anybody who's, who's listening and kind of going through that step is just identify what it is for them right now. And then be okay with the fact that, it can change next year. Reevaluate. There's not a problem with that. You don't have to commit yourself to something long term. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's good advice. Because yeah, it does. It definitely changes. Like when you first, when you're beginning your career, your goals are different than when you're, when you're sort of in the midst of your career. It's also different when you're, depending on your personal life, what's going on too. You know, so it, it, it constantly changes, right? Like I know in the last couple of years, what what I used to think was a successful design career is now completely different than you know now well, tell me about that what, like what would you what would you have said a few years ago oh i would say i would i'm kind of with you i would say a few years ago i think i was i think i was looking at sort of pro, you know progressing like moving up moving forward like what's the next challenge for me right like i was a designer now the next challenge in my mind was like building a team yep. right and then so build a team but through that process of building the team and I, I think I think there's an equivalency to this too with just UX design in general. But like uh, through the process of building that team, I sort of realized, okay, well, yeah, that was that was a good challenge, but that's not the challenge I was actually after. Mm-hmm. You know, now the challenge I'm after is trying to help my designers grow and progress and all that kind of stuff. And it's not so much about my progression. You know, it's more about theirs now than it was. You know, just even three years ago. And so it, it's kind of weird how when you do something like that, you, you like you were talking about getting in the trenches and and working, you know, that being your goal. When you get in there, then once you're inside of there, right, the perspective flips back around on you every time. That's kind of why I was asking your question about like now that you're sort of in the place you're at, how do you 
how do you look in the mirror from their perspective and look back and tell them like what to do? And I think your answer is really great. It just totally, and, and like uh, me and Andy have talked about on the podcast before. It's the same answer is it depends, right? Yeah. It depends on <laughs> a lot of these factors. And so I like, I like that the answer is always, it just depends, but I like the advice of like finding out, what it depends on. And, right? and the fact that there's no wrong answer in it because it is a personal question, right? Mm-hmm. A- again, you know, I know a guy who's got 20, 25 more years in, you know, professional work experience than I do, but he's recently transitioned to UX and he's right now at that point in his career where he's going, my kids are out of the house and I'm back into the, I'm ready to grind. And he's going like, I feel like yeah. I've got this 20 year old mindset right now. Like I'm ready to get after it. I'm hungry. And I'm like, and that's fantastic. It's going to change and it's going to evolve. So get comfortable with the discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I love like how you had that, you had that person to tell you, like to question you, what is it that you want? Um, and you had to take that that point to actually like have that introspection to figure it out. And I think that's hard to do is kind of figure out what, what it is that you want sometimes. Um, but I, I think that's definitely an important thing, like understand what your goals are um, and kind of lay it out. And then that that can help you make decisions totally right, um, for that. And I think it also works with finding the right company to, you know, to align yourself with in terms of, you know, being employed at that company. If you are. I'm at a place that's maybe not aligning with those goals that you have. That's not giving, you know, you that, that time off that you need, that, that, that flexibility that you wanted, for example, then you might not be at the right place. Yeah. Um, you might want to find another, another place to work that would support that better. Yeah. Um, so great advice. I think that's really awesome. Let me ask you guys this question because I've, I've not talked about this with anybody and I think you guys are probably at the same place, you know, or, or maybe you've already thought about this yourselves, but there are days where I wake up and I and I wonder if I've fallen out of love with UX design. Because like the things that really made me excited about UX design aren't necessarily the same things anymore. Where now I get real passionate about the team building and the career growth and that kind of stuff. And I and I look at that and I go, Are you still in love with UX though? Has that ever crossed your minds? Have you ever thought about that? I have. What about you, Andy? That's interesting. I'm not, I, I feel like I've felt that before when I've been like really stuck in a, uh, maybe a portion of the design process for a really long time. Yeah. And I like wake up and I'm like, I, I've been doing this forever and <laughs> I really want to get in to like, to, I want to get to the next part of this. Mm-hmm. I want it to advance, but it's not advancing. Um, and I'm like struggling with that. And, and I wonder like, okay, is this right? But I haven't really... I haven't really questioned, um, yeah, my my love or yeah, my my passion for UX quite quite as much as I think what you're describing. Yeah, it, it's Patrick. What's your experience been? Because I'm curious if I'm like, no, Dylan, you're an anomaly, and you should be questioning your career, and you should be changing things. I'm wondering if my feelings are are valid or if I'm really screwed up. Um, yeah, you should probably just, just time to quit. Yeah, dang it, I knew it, guys. All right. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> Later, man. Great episode. <laughs> and for everyone listening, hang it up. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think uh, I, I think um, I think it was when I hired Andy that I realized I hated UX. <laughs> of course. Uh, it was about the same time, to be to be honest. 
Like I was, I was when I when I when I started hiring people at Canopy, right? It was a new experience for me. I'd I'd hired somebody in the past, you know, a couple people in the past or whatever at different companies, but not like, not like strategically planning out what I was going to do. And so when I started hiring people, I really didn't know exactly what I was going to do. And then I started thinking like, well, I just really don't like this anymore. Um, you know, be, you know, designing a product isn't that much fun anymore. I'm not enjoying the research anymore. I'm not enjoying those things anymore. And then it's sort of like after I hired a few people, it's sort of the UX changed to that now. Like it was still all the same. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as I, as soon as I realized I could apply all the same UX principles that I've been practicing for 10 years with a team and looking at the team as like the next project I'm designing then it then I I kind of like fell in love with it even yep. more. Yep. Um, if that makes sense. So I don't think like for me getting up and jumping into Figma is not like I don't get you know I don't get excited about that at all. Like I used to, you know, when you open up a design tool and you're like, yeah, let's get ready, let's go mm -hmm. design something cool. Now it's more like you know checking in with people and having those one on one conversations yeah. and finding out how people are doing like and and how I can you know, help them be better designers and help the team be better. Um, like that, that to me is more like, but it's all the same UX stuff. It's like, it's the same design process. It's just, it's now instead of Photoshop, it's people, yeah. right? Which is kind of weird to say, but. No, but I mean, that's inherent in our blood now, right? I mean, we look at <clears throat> problems and we want to solve them. So yes, we do take, mm -hmm. take that same UX process. I think you articulated that really well. I think that resonates with me. I appreciate that. How did you, speaking of UX and your passion and love for UX, like what, what was, you talked about the, in the intro about being, you know, entrepreneurial mm -hmm. and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, what sort of, what was the catalyst or what was the, the spark, right? That, that was like, I'm, I'm jumping into UX or this is, this is where I see my future going. So I've always enjoyed visual design. Like I, I really like the visual design practice. Um, and as a, you know, a wannabe marketer, as a wannabe entrepreneur who had no money and was bootstrapping all of his own projects, I'm not hiring a visual designer to collab on these projects. And so it was just like, well, I'll design it myself and then I'll market it myself. And so I was just bouncing between those two ideas. Uh, I was at a startup at that same point in time where we were doing internet marketing services. We were doing pay-per-click, uh, search engine optimization. And at that point in time, you know, I was doing more business development uh, responsibilities. And I would get into these projects and I would just kind of look at them going like, no matter what we propose to them, it's not going to work because their website sucks or their, <laughs> their branding is inconsistent and incoherent or, you know, whatever it may be. And I'm going like, we got to offer some design services because I could send all the traffic in the world to this website and they won't convert a single piece of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we started offering more design services. I was eager to put on that hat. But what I quickly found in that process is I hated getting into client meetings and have them just pick apart visual design pieces. Like, you know, is should that button be red? You know, maybe it, it should be more of a darker purple color. And I would just be like, really? Is that where we're getting strung over? Your website sucked a week ago. And now you're going to tell me that this red button doesn't work. Uh, and so I, I would get into these conversations and then it got really awkward when you're starting to like get into those subjective conversations with like your CEO. I'm not going to argue with my CEO. And therefore it's just like, he says, use this. 
This guy says use this. What do I do? And so I quickly was just going like, let's just apply some of these best practice, uh, you know, marketing principles to it. And when my CEO says, hey, I want a purple button and the client says, I want a, a green button, I say, cool, I'll do both. And, you know, <laughs> we do an A-B test and I come back and say, hey, look, uh, we should go this route because it converted better. And that was really the spark of it. That's a real basic ex example. But then we started, you know, applying surveys to research, uh, trying to understand our clients and the, our clients' customers. Uh, we started holding focus groups and we started just applying these marketing principles to design to mitigate the inherent risk of the design. And I did that for four or five years before I heard the term UX design. Um, and I go like, oh, I guess that, that's kind of the direction that I'm heading. And, and that was my transition. I stumbled into it. Yeah, kind of like a lot of us. I think we, we start out going in one direction and then we're like, oh, wait, you get data and you get all this other, you can get all this other information to make a better decision. You guys, wow, yeah, you guys have know. been doing UX long enough. I'm sure your stories are pretty similar. You didn't go into UX. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what were you doing? <laughs> I mean, I was, uh, well, I was repairing copy machines, uh, trying to be, trying to be a graphic designer yep. of some kind, web designer. I didn't, but I didn't know what UX was, yep. right? So, yeah. I Andy's the photog. He's. He's shooting photographs, having a good time. Yeah. You know, shooting weddings. Yeah. And then, yeah, getting into graphic design. And then, yeah, it was a stumble for me, for sure. It was like someone just like offered me this thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. I'll mm -hmm. become a, a UI UX designer. I don't know what it is, but it sounds pretty cool. You know, and this is... Sounds good. Paycheck's good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and there's an interesting note on this because like, you know, the three of us, we never went to then, I would assume at least... We never went through any like UX education curriculums, mm -hmm. right? There wasn't a boot camp that we went through. There wasn't uh, a four-year degree, 123 credit program that we went through to learn about UX. So we're pretty self-taught then, I assume. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the most part. I mean, I took classes in college, web design classes. Yeah. We the, the UX portion of it was like, read this Alan Cooper book, you know, and then <laughs> let me know. Redesign like, nobody really taught it. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I, and I only bring that up because again, our, your listeners, your podcast, I'm only going to assume are probably going to have a very different approach to their UX career. And it's one of the things that I tell any designer who's probably been in the field for five, six years, who probably didn't go through a boot camp, probably didn't go through formal education. We've got designers who are taking those steps right now. And the only thing that separates a designer who's you know been in the field for two years versus a designer who's been in the field for six years is literally four years of experience. And if you're just hoping that that four years of experience is gonna hold up down the road, it's not. These you know designers with a year or two years of experience are hot on your heels. And if you're not doing your part to advance your education or learn more about UX, progress your skills, you know, when they've got six years of experience and you've got 10 years of experience, at that point, it's not going to matter that much. 15 mm -hmm. years of experience to 20 years of experience probably won't matter at all. And so, again, leaning into that, well, I've got six years of experience, it's not going to mean anything down the road. You've got to continue your education because these younger designers know way more than I ever knew at, that, at this point in their career. Yeah, they come out actually understanding what UX is. <laughs> Whereas mo where we came from, we're like, we didn't really know what it was until we got in it. And then we're like, oh, this is it, I guess. And then spent the next four years still trying to figure it out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or at least it, for me, the next nine years, still trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> what what tool? What you brought up? You brought up like you're here. You've got the experience. You need to educate yourself. What from your experience, your personal experience? What tools? What programs? What you know? Linda.coms, things like that. Did you? Did you use to, to level up your your UX game there? Uh, I was a I was a big reader. Um, I like <laughs> that's such a stupid. I'm a big reader. Uh, <laughs> I I read a lot of books. I read a lot of blogs. Uh, I like reading articles and that kind of stuff. Uh, podcasting wasn't quite a thing when I was trying to level up. So yeah, I I was in the Linda videos, but again. I was doing Linda videos trying to learn about UX inside of Photoshop and Illustrator, which is now (laughs) dead. Um, I remember watching Linda videos in Dreamweaver trying to figure out, okay, now let's apply these UX principles and code a website. (laughs) I I was grasping for straws. Um, YouTube wasn't even a big thing at that point in time either. So I can't say that I was like YouTube taught. It was literally just... I, I kid you not, I, I bought a um, Photoshop for Dummies book probably 10 years ago and tried to learn how to use Photoshop with that book. Did it work? No. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever read a, a like a For Dummies book? I never have. Yeah. I, I can say that. They brand- Andy's, Andy's not a dummy. He, reads, yeah, exactly. he goes right directly to the... I, I open the Photoshop Photoshop manual. for yeah. smart people. That's what he goes to. Okay, well, I'm a dummy, and that's the book that I turn to. But you know what I found when I read those books is I'm like, this book's too advanced for me, so what am I? <laughs> yeah, I did that. I did the uh, the the Jeff Sorrow book on measuring uh, usability. Uh-huh. The, I think I still have it. And I'm the same way. I'm like, I do, I'm so dumb at statistics. Like, I can't even understand this thing. Yep. <laughs> I, re- I remember, like, I think, I think we kind of probably entered similar times because when I, when I started, yeah, there wasn't, you know, we didn't have UX courses. We didn't have anything like that. And I remember just, you know, just filling my Google reader with all sorts of blogs, yep. you know, from you know, the popular ones like Smashing Magazine, yep. Specky Boy, like all of those. I just, I would just, and then I would take like an hour every day and then just read those and then just be like, yeah, how can I apply this to my job? I didn't know about this. You know, user research, what is this? Yep. Um, but that's how I remember it. And it's, it kind of saddens me like now looking, cause now I don't, I don't even know where to get, you know, resources for that as much. <laughs> Even when I did back then, like I felt like there was just more, but it was all, it was all blogs. It was all people writing blogs and from their own experience. You know, it's, it's interesting because I almost feel like there's information overload at this point in time. And there's a lot of information given from people who lack the experience to be given information. And, uh, you know, it can cause people to stumble upon a medium article and find it as a source of truth and say, okay, let me go do this. Well, it's kind of like the same debate of like, you know, you're, you're finding a mentor who's only six months, you know, in the field longer than you. They can serve a role, but understand what that role is. They can advise you on what to do for the next six months. But if you're asking them to advise you what to do 10 years down the road, how could it, how could they possibly do that? And I feel that same way about like content creation is really easy. I mean, you guys run a podcast. I run a podcast. 
I like to admit that I'm not the end all be all in my podcast. You know, I'll tell you some of my thoughts on you know how to build a portfolio. I can tell you some thoughts about how to interview and that kind of stuff. But by all means, grab somebody else and get their two cents on it as well. I'm not the only hiring manager in the world. I'm not the only person who looks at portfolios. So somebody's going to have a different opinion. Swallow all of that and figure out what you want to do for yourself. Yeah, put it together. You brought up, let's go, Andy, let's, let's, let's go back to the childhood, Dylan. Oh, here. This is, this is where Andy made Matt Bourne cry. Yeah, I, think. I, I know where this is going. Um, <laughs> you, you, you talk, you've always loved visual design. Let's start with when was the first, when was the first time, like as a kid growing up that you remember like designing something like that? Like, what was that? What was that experience like? Um, what did you, what did you design? You know, it's funny. Cause I have a very clear memory of it. I can close my eyes and I can still see it. I was drawing <laughs> cartoons at my desk in my bedroom. I was, you know, tracing uh, my favorite cartoon characters. I was learning how to draw Daffy duck. And to this day, I draw Daffy duck the exact same way I did when I was six years old. <laughs> and so like, I remember that very clearly sitting at my desk and drawing Daffy Duck and drawing Goofy and drawing the Tasmanian Devil. Um, I was also a big sports fan. And so I would draw NFL helmets and, you know, uh, born and raised in Minnesota. The Vikings are near and dear to my heart. I would draw the Vikings logo over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden it became like less of drawing what's already out there and now what can you create with these newfound skills and so i would draw scenes i would put uh help football helmets on cartoon characters and i would start to like build these compositions i guess is what we'd call it today and um you know that that's just kind of what i was always drawn to i i loved colors um i loved sketching i've i've got older brothers too who are uh more visual designers and i think i was inspired by that but I love the arts. I love music. I love movies. I love anything creative. And I, I think I was always just kind of that, you know, builder mentality. I mean, you guys play with Legos. Legos were my life. Yeah, still, still playing with Legos. That's why. That's why I had kids, so I could keep playing with Legos. <laughs> without the, not, without any judgment, I still play yeah, with Legos. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I think I really think that was the beginning of it for me. You know, sketching was the beginning of it. I'm I'm not a good artist. Uh, I can't sketch for the life of me, but I just enjoyed doing it. And as soon as I pulled up Illustrator for the first time and saw vibrant colors pop off the screen like i was sold that i loved this nice that's cool that's awesome yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting how i think we're probably all like that a little bit somehow right there's always a some kind of catalyst when we were young that like showed us that we could be creative somehow and then it just sort of snowballs from there right do you guys ever start a t-shirt business <laughs> uh, uh that's a yes. I, I, That's a I didn't yes. Start a, I didn't start a t-shirt one. I actually, um, I started a, a business in like elementary school where we took pencils and we shaved off the, the yellow part of the pencil and we colored, <laughs> we colored like weird designs on them. And then went in the, we went recess and just like sold them to kids. <laughs> we did, we made some good money. Hustling. We, we did pretty good. Hustling. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I think designing T-shirts was an outlet for me, and that that was definitely more in like once I got into like the college years where I was pulling up Illustrator and designing T-shirts and then printing them, and that was one of those you know quote unquote business ventures that I was really passionate about in those <laughs> college years, and 
it wasn't that I was going to be the next best t-shirt designer, but I just loved being able to take something from my head, throw it onto you know a screen with bright colors, and then actually being able to print that and have it in hand. Like, yeah, it really kind of just stirred the the, uh, the the love and the design for just all around creativity. Yeah, yeah it's that it's it's delivering something, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think even to this day that's probably why we all do this job is like it's that handoff and then that that like even even though we hand it off to somebody else and they build it it's when it's built and you see it totally like, that's the that's the satisfaction you get right yeah and that's that's again well articulated because as i look at like my other hobbies right now they're still building hobbies you know i love woodworking i love woodworking and i can do that all day long i love landscaping um, you know, we're working on building a cabin and I spend hours on hours, you know, working on those DIY projects. And it, it is just being able to like put in the hard work and then see the payoff. Ta-da. It's, it's really rewarding. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of when I learned some HTML when I was designing and I could, I could change things. Right. And I, I modified my MySpace page to be better than the rest of my top eight. <laughs> and then they all came to me and was like, hey, what are you doing on your page? Like, I want to learn how to do this. That was when, that was for me, that was the same thing of like, like when you're talking about printing out a t-shirt, right? It was like, holy cow, there's something, there's something here, right? Yeah. Like I can do something, I can deliver it and people respond to it in a way, right? And I was like, I think that's when I got hooked. Yeah, that's awesome. Build my space. I could go for hours swapping these kind of stories. They're so funny in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of things that you've created, um, I think you've done like a really cool job like with, with your work on design today. Um, can you speak a little bit to to why you did that? And, you know, yeah, what what was the purpose of that? What have you gotten out of that over over the time you've spent doing it? Yeah, I mean, it's... It, it has evolved over the years, right? I mean, it's kind of been a, a theme of these conversations. It's evolved over the years. <laughs> when I first started the podcast, it's because I recognized I was in that stage of like wanting to get the career advanced, wanting to move to the next position, senior designer, se- uh, UX designer, senior designer. You know, I wanted that progression. Um, and I knew that some of those best designers that were following online do a really good job of capturing their thoughts and and documenting their learnings whether it be on blog posts which at that point in time was kind of the big uh you know medium that people were using is you know throwing up blog posts but i was an awful writer i still to this day don't really enjoy writing i'm slow and when i write i write like i talk and so it just meanders everywhere along with my adhd so like i was never a good consistent writer and um but I was still learning a ton. And with my, you know, the freelance work, I was being introduced to really amazing, talented individuals. And I was like, man, I, what is the way I could capture this information and publish it to, to show that I'm an eager learner uh, and to show that I'm you know, learning on, on my career track and that I can take those principles and apply them to the next job. Uh, so I said, you know what, if I could slap a microphone between us and just document this and then post it, that's going to be my content creation that I'll post to my blog. Um, 
and, and I'll call it good. I didn't anticipate anybody ever to listen. I'm sure you guys probably felt that way when you started too, right? Nobody's ever going to listen to this. And I was fine with that. It was my way of c capturing my learnings. Mm -hmm. And you do that long enough and I guess people appreciate it. I don't know. <laughs> Eventually people started listening, which blew me away. You know, there's three people that are listening to that episode. and You're like, really? Okay. And then 10 people are listening and you're like, what are you guys doing with your life? Go listen to somebody else. And, and then it just kind of evolved. And one thing that I then kind of transitioned to was all of a sudden, like, wait a second, like people are getting value out of this because they're struggling with a lot of these same problems that I've struggled with. And, you know, there's that saying, uh, a wise man learns from his mistakes and even more wise man will learn from others' mistakes. And I think that's kind of what I was seeing with the listeners of the show is that they're going like, hey, Dylan, thanks for documenting your failures. Now I know what to avoid. And uh, people were, you know, learning from that. And I recognize how much fun I was having in conversations with designers who were, you know, new to the field and uh being able to relate to some of the experiences that they were going through was a lot of fun and if they were gaining insight from our conversation fantastic and i enjoyed doing that so it transitioned for from a very selfish hey dylan you need to start capturing uh content so that you can get yourself out there to helping other designers is very rewarding and that's ultimately what's spanned me through the last two and a half years that is awesome um, I would have to agree with that. The, the helping part is super rewarding and, um, yeah, like our start into this, you know, for sure was a lot of those, at least, I don't know, I, I can't exactly speak for Patrick, but a lot of those same feelings and thoughts for me, um, you know, wanting to learn more and this is a good way to document it and share it. Um, yeah. and yeah, if you, me coming from the career, um, where I didn't go through that, you know, specific UX learning, I didn't get that. I didn't go through that boot camp. I, I, you know, just came into this and had to learn along the way, like baptism by fire sort of thing. And that was hard to do. <laughs> and I wanted to be able to, you know, be able to give that information to others as well. Um, some of the stuff that I've learned and that other people can share along the way. So, um, yeah, I can definitely resonate with what you're saying there. I think that's really awesome. You know, and the other real selfish thing that it kind of allowed for me to do was actually have conversations with some of my design heroes. And I felt mm -hmm. like in every episode when I was making introductions, I'd say something along the lines of like, I'm so excited who I get to have this episode with. And it was always sincere. Like, you know, the one week I'm talking with this hero of mine, the next week I'm talking with this hero of mine. And I never anticipated being able to have conversations with these individuals. And now here I am on a first name basis with them and exchanging text messages with them. And from a selfish standpoint, that was one of the most rewarding pieces for me as well is just being able to have conversations with really talented individuals. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, and it also makes me like, um, <laughs> uh, I should start a podcast um, where I can talk to lots of cool actors <laughs> just, or musicians, you know, like talk to your heroes that way. Um, it's so funny that you bring awesome. that up because I've, I've <laughs> thought about that so many times over the years where I know my taste in music is not everybody's cup of tea. My taste in music is way out there. But I would love to interview like the lead singers of my favorite bands and just talk about the creative yeah. process. It probably wouldn't mean a thing to anybody else, but it would be awesome for me. I've never pulled the trigger on that, though, but it's funny that you bring that up because it's uh, it's very tempting. <laughs> very cool. Awesome. We should, we should do that. Let's, we're going to rip his idea off and do it right now. Please do it. 
<laughs> I think I didn't know. I mean, when you know, we we generally interview designers in the UX space, right? We haven't done a ton of interviews. I mean, we generally just go off topics on the podcast, which but, I love. By yeah, the way, yeah, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, it's so interesting when you talk to people who are in a different industry how um, how the process is almost identical and how like the decision making is the same and how they're you know they they still use data they still you know what's driving their decisions like it's super interesting because you could talk to an architect or you could talk to you know a musician or an artist or whoever right and it's like it's almost there's so many parallels and it's probably just because you're in a where it's it's a similar industry of creativity right Mm -hmm. but you know, it would be kind of cool to have a design podcast where, you know, you, you sort of like interview people like that and then try to make that parallel to UX. I don't know. That's hmm. cool. You guys ever go- somebody out there can do it. You guys ever go to like an Adobe Max conference? Not yet. I've never been. Andy, you've been? Not yet. No. No. I, I like going to Adobe Max. I mean, they're not necessarily UX focused, but you see so many creatives at those conferences and it's inspiring. And I always use that to refill my inspiration tank right before the pandemic hit. I was at the Adobe max in LA. Uh, they had David Grohl, Dave Grohl speaking on stage. Billy Eilish was on stage and, you know, call me a dork, whatever. But like I get so refilled by listening to these creatives talk about their craft. And when I hear them get passionate about their craft, like it's inspiring. So Somebody out there has to have that podcast. I'd definitely subscribe. Yeah, that'd be in. So what's what what's uh before we wrap up here, like what's next for you? Like what's the next thing? What's the next thing with everything that you're doing? <laughs> Tell me the next step with everything in your life. Um Yep. Maybe not maybe not all the stuff, but you know, the all the projects you you got a good you got a good uh, design hustle going on. So so I I did take a pause on podcasting. Um, one of the things that I recognized with my listeners was that you know a lot of the content I was producing is evergreen content. You know we can talk about portfolios, but I don't. I'm tired of talking about portfolios. Uh, I'm tired of talking about resumes. I'm tired of talking about job interviewing and you know helpful tips to land a position because legitimately those tips don't change. People just don't do them. And so (laughs) I'm kind of tired of kind of beating that horse there. And so I recognize that some of the listeners who've been listening now for three years, like they've evolved in their career. They're no longer worried about their portfolio and their resume. They're moving on to the next phase of their career. They're wanting to get more into leadership. They're wanting to get more into team building and management and team ops. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. So what I'm planning on doing with like the podcast is, taking a hiatus, trying to do some learning of my own uh, as far as my new title with director and building teams, um, documenting some of those learnings, finding out what works and what doesn't work. And then maybe I'll hit the podcast again, but ultimately I, I don't know what the next phase looks like. Is it a podcast? Is it writing? I doubt it. Is it, uh, I, I don't know what it looks like. So but I think that's where I want to go. I, I still love contributing to the community. I still love helping in whatever way I can. I think it's just going to move from helping designers in that zero to five years of experience to trying to help the designers five to 10 years now in their career. Um, 
So I think that's what's going to happen with design today. I'll still continue to freelance because it gets it allows me the opportunity to, you know, keep the axe sharp, if you will. Um, make sure I'm staying in the trenches and, and learning things along the way. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that's that's really it professionally. Immediate plans. Let the snow melt, get back up to the cabin and finish the addition. I mean, that, that also needs to happen. I need that flexibility. And so freelancing will foot those bills. Uh, yeah. yeah, so there's a rhyme and reason to it. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Sounds well, good to me. That's good, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan. It's good. <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> Segue there, Andy. Thanks. I'm trying to close it up, and you're just like (laughs) cutting me off. (laughs) This is why I like doing the podcast, you know, because we just (laughs) because we don't know what we're doing yet. (laughs) Yeah, we we still um, we have a lot of kinks. The best part about the podcast, and Patrick, I've shared this with you before. I think the thing I've always loved about the Design Much podcast is how much you can tell that you guys just enjoy doing this. I always felt that my podcast gets really educational, and truth be told, like I think it gets dry sometimes. And so I've always appreciated what you guys do to bring the personality, bring you know the fun uh, look at uh, the topics, and you, know, you guys are doing a killer job. So. Thank you for inviting me. This has been pretty stand-up awesome. Yeah, I do have one more um, question, Andy, uh, for Dylan. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, best, I don't know if you eat a Taco Bell, but um, I need to know what your favorite Taco Bell item is. It's the breakfast bacon crunch wrap. The oh. breakfast bacon crunch wrap? I have yep. never had this. You either. are missing out on one of the best things of life is Taco Bell okay. breakfast. I'm writing it down. Breakfast. Yeah. The bacon crunch wrap. Yeah. Breakfast bacon crunch wrap. They also do it in sausage, which is also good. Um, but if you want to know something secret, ask them to mix it and they'll do it for you. Ooh. Really? Wow. Yes, sir. Bacon and sausage breakfast crunch wrap. It's got like a hash brown inside of it. Oh, man. there's. I kid you not. No. Like I drop my kids off at school every morning and there's a Taco Bell on my way home. <laughs> I hit that at least twice a week. It, it probably hasn't helped with my uh, COVID twenty, but um, yeah, I, I can't help it. Breakfast bacon crunch wrap, do it. You know what's actually funny? Breakfast bacon crunch wrap. They used to have a waffle taco years ago, and if you never yes. did, you ever have that one? Yeah, yeah. Waffle taco was so good, dude. There might be a day they might they might bring it back. You never know. Yeah, they do that sometimes. I would I would welcome that. The waffle taco was delicious. Mm. Okay, I'm doing it. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna go hit it up tomorrow. The the breakfast bacon plus sausage mix crunch wrap. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. That is yeah. awesome. I have learned a lot of things from this conversation, Dylan, and that's that's definitely one of the top ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I could share my invaluable insight with uh, your listeners. This is not I did. this is not a paid promotion. <laughs> yeah. I did talk to a person the other day. I was going to tell Andy this. I bumped into a person the other day. I was talking to him about uh, the podcast. They mentioned the podcast that they listen. 
and they said their favorite part is when we discuss Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, we're missing the mark. We got a whole different audience here, Andy. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> wait, wait. So have you guys shared what your favorite is? I, I'm a yeah. My 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 old standby is always the just the regular old chalupa. Chicken chalupa, or do you go steak? Uh, I usually go. I usually go beef. Okay. 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 Yeah, beef. I Sometimes I'll do steak. the chicken. Wow. Yeah, I've never tried the steak. Steak is good, you know, if you can, if, you know, the extra 75 cents doesn't bother you, which typically it does bother yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a Taco Bell. I mean, come on. Isn't it funny how, you know, these things in perspective make zero sense? You know, we'll drop $100 on something else and not bat an eye at it, but you're like, 75 cents for steak? Hell no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to spend $4 on my dinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not five. What don't you understand about this? <laughs> no, I'm not paying yeah. extra for guac. <laughs> Idiots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, thanks for being on the pod and talking to us about uh, Taco Bell and your career. I think, um, you know, I, I've, I'm, I'm kind of... I haven't listened to podcasts in the last year because I used to listen to them on my commute. So I don't, I don't, I don't listen to it much, you know, mowing the lawn, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I've always appreciated your podcast because I like the conversations you've had with um, some people that, and I agree, like there's been people you've interviewed on there that I'm like, how in the hell did he get that podcast? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like how how did that even happen? And you know, of course, it goes back to hey, well, you just ask them and they'll come on, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's been so many good conversations, and I think one of the ones, one of my favorite freaking conversations with one of my favorite freaking people was which is Jordan Reading. Um, after she came on your show, after she was after she was laid off, and I just loved the the openness of that conversation that you two had. It's still my it's still like one of my favorite design today podcast i mean partially because i know her yeah. you know and so you know she's a friend of mine and everything but i just loved your conversation how 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 open and transparent you guys were when you're talking to each other about everything it was just cool it was just cool because most of the time you listen to podcasts and you know it's a show right mm -hmm. you know people are just kind of like bsing or hawking their stuff but you know you've got you've had a bunch of people on there that you've had real pretty transparent conversations with and it's fun to listen to those. i appreciate yeah. it Jordan's pretty awesome, and I've got to credit her for being a Buffalo Bills fan long before it was cool to be a Buffalo Bills fan. <laughs> Good for her. Wait, wait. You're, you're saying that it's cool to be a Buffalo Bills fan? Are you kidding me? There is not a cooler fan base in the <laughs> NFL than the Bills Mafia. I know. What, which is weird. What other team jumps off of roofs onto tables? There's not a team that would do that. They're the new, they're the new, now that the Raiders have kind of like, there, there's no, there's no good, cool Raider fandom anymore. No. They sort of have taken over. Yeah. And like the Seattle 12th man, they like to pretend like that's still a, a thing. It's not a thing. I mean, that's getting old. Yeah. It's dated. Bill's Mafia. They're funny. How much time do we have? Can we talk another five minutes about Bill's Mafia? <laughs> Those fans are hilarious. They try to purposely sink the Vikings. Like, I think it was uh, $500,000. With a player that we traded, if he didn't make the Pro Bowl, 
Or no, no. If he did make the Pro Bowl, the Vikings were gonna have to pay them an extra five hundred thousand dollars. And so Bills Mafia put together this campaign to have all their fans vote for him, just so the Vikings would lose money. It was hilarious, <laughs> funny, yeah. and they are so good at putting together those very public campaigns. That uh, man, those those fans are awesome. They have a decent influence on that team too, for sure. For, for real, like sure. they're one of the only fan bases. Like I can think of, I can think of like. Um, you know, Packer fans, I can think of Oakland Raider fans, Denver Bronco fans definitely have, well, they used to, yeah, they're, they they're pretty lame as well, <laughs> but now they're pretty lame, but yeah, like such a good fan base yep. and Jordan, knowing that Jordan's one of them out here in Utah, it's just, it's just, funny. Yep. <laughs> it's funny to me. <laughs> I like where we ended this. <laughs> <laughs> the way it usually ends on some random topic taco bell and the buffalo bills that's how we do (laughs) so um yeah dylan again thank you so much for coming on this has been a a really um insightful conversation so really appreciate um what you do for the design community and for coming on the show and teaching us some stuff you guys are rock stars thank you so much you guys are studs i love the stuff that you're putting out here so it's a pleasure Thanks for listening to the pod. Real quick before you take off, we need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to designmuch.org slash contacts and fill out the form. If you enjoy this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t-shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it, guys. Now have a good week, design nerds.